0: And you know, what I'm feeling as we come in tonight is that God is going to do a bit of a reset for some of us. And uh, we have a beautiful six-year-old daughter, just turned six on Saturday. And recently, we share my iPad. She likes to think that the iPad is as much hers as it is mine. And she is a creative personality. She likes unicorns and pink flary floss and things like that. And she went through and she decided that she would create some order in the iPad and remove every icon of every app that was not pretty. And that included the Notability app, which contained five years of preaching content. (laughs) But honestly, I'll be honest, I, I really, I didn't freak out. It's just, I mean, let's be honest, if I really need to recall some content, I can. It's there, it's been sent out into the stratosphere, but I can recall it if I need to. And also, um, I felt in myself there was a distinct shift of season. And the thing is, when your season changes, your sound changes. And I just want to declare over us here tonight that with the change of the season comes the change of the sound. And I'm believing even walking out of these doors tonight, there's going to be a fresh sound coming out of your mouth, a new expectation, a new boldness, a new fervency on the inside. As faith arises on the inside of us, it impacts our sound. And it changes what we speak. And so I thank Clio for the pressing the reset button. And actually, it's interesting because already I can I can hear a new sound in everything that I'm preparing and I pray you have that reset tonight. If you need a refresh over a part of your life, God is the God of the refresh. New mercies every morning. Uh, he's not actually into stagnation or locking in or, or getting stuck. He's a mobilizing God. He keeps evolving us and moving us forward. And we just need to have faith for the quantum leap or even the quantum budge at times. The quantum adjustment, let's be honest on human levels. God's into our evolution He loves to keep us moving forward. So tonight, faith is, is the message, the theme that we're speaking into. And I'm going to weave some Old Testament stories with some New Testament promises just for Emma's sake, because apparently she loves the Old Testament. So I'm just going to be pumping out. There's a lot of scripture here tonight. Who loves the scripture I'm a big believer that it strengthens the saints. And my first responsibility behind the pulpit is to bring strength to the saints. It's good if there's a little bit of entertainment on the side as well. A few Cleo stories here and there. But first and foremost, my responsibility is that you would walk out strengthened with greater clarity and more peace for you and your household. Amen? So good. So faith is, well, first, I believe faith is holy (laughs) fervour. Is there anyone in this room tonight that's got a bit of holy fervour? Chrissy DeCundo, you're laughing at me. (laughs) Fervour is keenness, urgency, fire. Is there anyone in the room tonight that's got a little bit of holy fervour? It's okay to get excited here. We got excited for the football last Sunday night. There was some serious screaming in my household. Xanthi, did you hear it down the street? I'm not even kidding. Just a little. We, We live on the same street. How lucky am I? Anthony, Norm, the boys, love you guys. But who, who, um, yeah, who found like they took on a counter personality when the football comes on? Pastor Hartley is a gentleman, but when the football is on, I don't even know that man. <laughs> holy fervor personified, let me tell you. Keenness, urgency, fire. Now, I've known, all-consuming holy fervor, I've known what it's like to run in your lane, exercise your gifts, doors are opening, there's fruitfulness, there's quantum leaps. Who's known a season like that? Most, All of life doesn't tend to be the same, but hopefully you know moments like that. They are the sweetest, and I've also known that there are sometimes seasons when you just feel like the waves of life are perpetually crashing one after the other, after the other, and you're just trying to keep your head above water, if you're honest. You know, life has many different colors and tones. Sometimes faith is a steadfast anchor, steadying us in those waves. Other times, it's a propelling force, moving us out into new territory. Who knows we need both in different seasons? And we're built for both. We're called into both. You know, as as I'm speaking faith tonight, and I'm even speaking about Holy Fervour, I just want to make a side note and acknowledge that in vulnerable seasons, sometimes the faith message can feel a bit abrasive if you do feel like you're under those pounding waves, I just want to make a kind preacher's note and acknowledge that. Because uh, sometimes it's hard to come up punching when you feel like you've been spashed a zillion times. (laughs) So I just want to encourage you, even if that's you as you're sitting in your seat tonight, feeling a bit vulnerable, feeling a bit spent, um, just to open your heart. Let the antidote seep in. And that is God's word is the antidote. Let his Holy Spirit seep in. Because my Jesus is merciful. And he too meets you tonight with mercy. And this is my scripture for you. Lamentations 3:22 to 23. It is because of the Lord's mercy and loving kindness that we are not consumed, because his tender compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great and abundant is your stability and your faithfulness. Amen. So let me declare that over you tonight. This is what's amazing though, in the wave smashing seasons, is that a thing? Is that a term? I'm going to pen that tonight. Wave smashing seasons, (laughs) new one, Um, that when, that's when our storehouse of faith really counts. And here's the thing is we can build a storehouse of faith, when the sun is shining and we're taking the quantum leaps and we've got favour and we know his goodness, we store it then, his word goes into us and it's like a collection, it's like a compound effect that we can draw from when the waves are crashing and it's, uh, it's amazing how rich and deep that well goes, that storehouse goes, that we can dip our cup in and be refreshed in the seasons that aren't so favourable. It's amazing, that storehouse is a real thing. That's when we remember to reference how good God is. We go back to the memory bank and we remember his goodness. And, you know, honestly, it is hard to see straight when you're battling the waves, isn't it? Have you been in the surf lately? It's a special talent not to get dumped, isn't it? But that's when rather than get caught up in all the external activity, we need to look inward at our inward conviction and remember his goodness. And that's what will sustain us. You know, I've really felt undergirded in this season with a faith that was conditioned in a prior season. And I think God is amazing like that. It's like he prepares over here what you're going to need over there. How faithful is he in the details of our lives that he completely covers? He goes ahead of us along the way and he gets ready for us in the future what we're going to need. We don't even see what's coming sometimes, but he is so committed to us. He goes ahead down the way. He prepares it. He makes sure we're going to have the faith before that day comes so that we will not be snuffed out. That's the nature of our God. Why don't we thank him here tonight? It's good just to remember, to honor, to thank him. God's interconditioning. Many times we look at the superficial facts, the natural. We look a lot at the natural. It's our human default. And we neglect to see the compound effect of what God is refining in us. That's everlasting. That's priceless. The, The compound effect of the God work that he's doing on the inside of us. See, God works in the fine details. The state of our soul, the development of resilience... And what's interesting about God, it's like he has a measuring stick over our lives. And it's like when you've met that quota that God says you need of patience or kindness or whatever it is that you need to have, then it's like the season changes. He just holds that measuring rod over your life. And when his, the quota has being met according to his view, then the season clocks over. Can anybody relate? The season shifts and we graduate. Huh. <laughs> You know, for example, patience. You know, I think God's been working on patience in my life, my whole life. I'm pretty sure I came out of the womb impatient, ready for, you know, tomorrow, yesterday. <laughs> and it's like as God refines that, as that comes to maturity in me, then the season changes and the next thing is released. But God's in the business of completion. He cares about our evolution. And James 1, four says... But let endurance and steadfastness and patience have full play and do a thorough work so that you may be people perfectly and fully developed with no defects, defects lacking in nothing. Here's what I love about my God. He isn't just opening doors for us. He prepares us first so that we step through, we step through with dignity because he is a good, good Father. He doesn't push us out onto the end of the diving board in the big pool without us being prepared to do a good pin drop in. <laughs> he doesn't expose us. He's not in the business of exposure. He makes us completely ready and then he goes with us as we take the leaps. This is the nature of our God. He cares about our dignity, so he makes us ready in the unseen. He does the deep soul tissue work in order to get us ready. Richard Green, a great leader. Uh, has this philosophy around leadership he says that there are four things that identify a leader and there is one disqualifier and that is lack of composure and what that is is that when the heat comes on the pressure comes on if you're to press on that small button that little sore spot that vulnerability then who knows what could come out Lack of composure. See, the lovely thing about our God is that he He does the soul work in order so that when the heat comes on, what comes out of us is a sweet sound, a calmness, a serenity. Uh, he, he's not interested in exposing us. He does that work so that we go with dignity. Amen? Composure. Um, this must be one of the most unpopular scriptures of all time that I'm going to read. Are you ready for it? <laughs> Buckle your seat belts that this is the most favorite scripture said nobody ever <laughs> Lamentations 3:27 It is a good for a man that he should bear the yoke of divine disciplinary dealings in his youth <laughs> let him alone let him sit alone uncomplaining and keeping silent in hope because God has laid the yoke upon him for his benefit wow actually really to understand this you need to read the whole of Lamentations 3 from the prophet Jeremiah and you'll get the large picture and it talks about the incredible endurance work that God did in partnership with Jeremiah but he came, he came out nevertheless with a sweet spirit that worshipped and recognised the mercy of God, recognised the kindness of God because he recognized, Jeremiah recognized that in order to be a great prophet that would represent God and call out the oracles of God, uh, he needed to have the yoke placed on him first. He needed the training, he needed the hand of God who loved him. It's for dignity's sake, it's about our composure, it's conditioning, it's not punishment. So, how's your holy fervor after that? <laughs> I really want to ask tonight, is there a flickering flame on the inside of you or is there something ablaze? Is there a steady burn on the inside of you tonight? If there's a dullness, I'm declaring a rekindling in this atmosphere tonight. I believe that God's going to blow on that little flame and allow it to expand and go a little higher and a little wider and a little deeper and burn a little brighter tonight. Amen. So Hebrews eleven two says, For by faith, trust, and holy fervor, born of faith, the men of old had divine testimony born to them and obtained a good report. You know, the men and women of old had divine testimony born to them. That is, a great outcome was conceived on the inside of them. They saw it, they felt it, they knew it, and they obtained a good report. We determine our testimony by faith. I feel like God's going to rewrite some stories here tonight. Rewrite some stories that are yet to be made complete. You know, it's the partnership of the Word of God and faith that we be, we begin to see actually a different future, a different outcome. What will be your story? Tonight I give you permission on behalf of a God who loves you to write a magnificent story, an extravagant story. Tonight I shift the parameters of expectation. I shift the param- I shift the ceiling and I, and I call forth a new f- level of hope and expectation that we would see anew, we'd see afresh, we'd hope for more, We'd reach out for more. We wouldn't settle. We wouldn't fold our arms and lean back. There'd be something in us that would hope for more. If we have life in our body, then there is more for us. Amen? Amen. Faith looks past the natural. Faith sees. And tonight, the blinders are coming off. And we're going to see anew as we walk into our week. Faith sees. Faith sees a secondary reality to what presents in the natural. There is always more going on there is always more going on than what it seems. Faith is God is always at work. He's always maneuvering. Hebrews 11.1 says, being the proof of things we do not see and the conviction, this is what faith is, being the proof of things we do not see and the conviction of their reality, faith perceiving as real fact what is not revealed to the senses. Now I'm gonna throw to Ruth and Naomi a beautiful Old Testament story for Emma. She's gonna love this. Now they had suffered great loss, and they'd known death, and they'd known famine, and uh, Ruth had lost her husband, Naomi had lost her sons, yet Ruth aligned with Naomi, and therefore aligned with her God, the same God that we know, and therefore she saw... And it says in Ruth two two, and Ruth the Moabite said to Naomi, "Let me go to the field and glean among the ears of grain after him in whose sight I shall find favor." Naomi said to her, "Go, my daughter." So Ruth predeclared that she was going to find favor in somebody's eyes, and that would be the person in whom field she would glean. There was an expectation on the inside of her that she would be given permission to glean, which is to take little bits of the grain and the provision that's left over and cast to the side, that was the magnitude of their reality. She was gleaning from some unknown person's field and hopeful that she would have enough, yet she already predetermined and said, I shall find favour. Her circumstances were not favourable, but somehow there was something in her that said and declared, I shall find favour. She made a decision on the inside of her, I'm going to go to that place, I'm going to find favour with somebody. She was a woman of distinction of her time to have suffered that kind of magnitude, yet for faith to arise on the inside of her, go to that place and to tell. To speak over her circumstance, I shall find favor. I believe there's some people in this room tonight that need to tell their circumstance, I shall find favor. A little bit of audacity needs to get on the inside of us in our workplaces, with our families, with our extended families, and sometimes disharmonious relationships. We need to declare, I shall find favor. I shall find favour. We bear our testimony when we declare it over our future and then we walk into it. God gave us a lot more permission than we might think. Yes, He is sovereign, but He also gives a lot of free will and a lot of permission to move in faith and He marvels at it when we do. It's a holy partnership. It's not just one to sit back and, and wait for life to come. We can go into the future and declare how things will be. Favor will come. Favor will be. Come on, let's thank Jesus in this place tonight. I shall find favor. Amen. I'm going to ask the keys player to come. With faith, we need the word of God. Hebrews 11.3 goes on. By faith we understand that the worlds during the successive ages were framed, fashioned, put in order and equipped for their intended purposes by the word of God so that what we see was not made out of things which are visible. The word of God put the world in order. How much more so do we need the word of God to put our world in order? Amen. Amen. Anybody feeling that out there tonight, I would encourage you to go and ask God, what is the word that you have for my world? Put it on your fridge, declare it over your family, and watch the creative power that works out when we marry the word of God with faith and we begin to declare it as Ruth did over our circumstances. Anything is possible. Have you exercised the word of God over the building project of your world recently? What a powerful thing to do. I want to give you an example out of Joel 3:10, where we see the evolution that happens in this scripture. It says, "Beat your plowshares into swords and your pruning hooks into spears. Let the weak say, "I am strong, a warrior." This scripture speaks of an evolution. Who feels like there's some parts of your world which need a divine evolution? Plowshares? To swords, pruning hooks to spears, farming tools to weaponry, defense to offense, weak to strong, and not just strong but a warrior. This is what happens when we let the Word of God begin to circulate over our life. We see a divine exchange, a divine transformation, a divine evolution, just as it happened in this scripture, so too it happens in our life. Maybe you need to see an evolution in some of the mandatory elements of your life. Maybe there's some areas of your life that just feel a bit more beige than they're meant to. Maybe you hope for more and you want to see those farming tools, those ordinary things that you look at with familiarity every day actually evolve into something that's front-footed and progressive and moving forward and taking ground? The everyday things in your life can be ordained holy, and we can see magnificent shifts and evolutions in those things. You know, there's some things in your world which are meant to take ground, to push back, to expand. Have you become a walkover in a part of your world that you're invited to be an advancer in? Let me ask you that tonight. Have you become a walkover in a part of your world that you have been invited? To be a pushover in. I think there's a bit of fight on the inside of you. I think your sphere of influence needs to know the reality of the power of God that's on the inside of you. I think your family needs to know that you're the holy head of the home and that a blessing comes on your home because you're the head of the home. Some bu- some businesses need to move out of a slumber into the green. They need to move out of place of deficit into places of spontaneous insight. Creative strategies coming to advance we're not we are the we are the church we are christ representatives we need to look like him sound like him speak like him impact like him we're not sleeping we're not slumbering we're pushing out we're breaking through this is who we are and friends some of us tonight just need a divine perspective we just need to remember there may be an accuser but He's won and we already have victory over Him. On the other hand, there is a whole crowd of witnesses cheering you on, recognizing you as a bearer of Jesus' name, seeing that you're a saint, seeing that you're a representative of heaven. Shut the mouth of the accuser. Let the crowd of witnesses see. Let them marvel at what happens through your life. You're a push over. You're not a pushover. You're a defier of that. You're an advancer. You're an advancer. You're an advancer called to take ground, called to move out in Jesus' mighty name. In Jesus' mighty name. Hebrews 11, 3, so that we will see what was not made out of things which are visible. There is a whole world going on that is invisible. The heavenlies are greater, they're stronger, they're more impacting than just the natural. We get caught into a lull. Meanwhile, there is all this heavenly activity over our life. Lord, I pray that you would open our eyes to see what you're doing in our midst, just as you did the little servant boy of Elisha. 2 Kings 6.17, and Elisha prayed. The little servant boy was worried. all the opposition was circling around and Elisha prayed and I pray tonight that God too would open your eyes to see all the hosts of heaven that are championing you on all the hosts of heaven the bounty of heaven is available to us all the strength of heaven the power of heaven the presence of heaven is available to us all and Elijah prayed open his eyes Lord so that he may see then the Lord opened the servant's eyes and looked and saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. All the hosts of heaven armies were on their side and they too are on your side. You're so covered. Just be strengthened, be encouraged in this place tonight. It's not just for them, it's for now. Hebrews eleven eight says this. By faith Abraham, when he was called, obeyed and went forth to a place which he was destined to receive as an inheritance, and he went although he did not know or trouble his mind about where he was to go. I think that's one of the greatest miracles in the whole of the scriptures. Abraham did not know or trouble his mind where He was to go. He went according to the Lord's leading. He knew that the promised land would come, that God's provision would come. I think that's up there with the greatest miracles. Friends... I think that the gymnastics, the mental gymnastics of our mind gets way much, too much a voice in our decisions, in our perspective. I feel like the content of the world overshadows the content of the Word. I feel like we need a detox sometimes. That's why we come into the presence of God and clarity comes and boldness comes as we encounter the power of heaven, the resources of heaven and there's this detox that happens and the scales are balanced out and we begin to see who we truly are. We begin to see whose we really are. Abraham had no angst. He didn't worry about where he would land because he knew his father was at hand. He knew his heavenly father had his plans in store and so he walked into a future that he did not know. He did not know the details. He did not know the fine print. share one final story. Guy, I'm going to get you to move that for me. Thank you. One last story. The woman with the issue of blood. 12 years bleeding. The doctors couldn't do a thing. Thick mass of people, crowded, hustling, dusty, hot day. And she positions herself, eyes sharp, and she looks across the masses of people. There is but one focus in mind, and his name is Jesus. And when she sees him snaking through the crowd, she gets her game face on. She gets some resilience on the inside. She knows that if she can reach him, the 12 years of bleeding will be over. It will be done. And there was something on the inside of her. Positioned, steadfast, ready to receive, all distraction aside. Now Jesus that day was on his way to heal another. So the faith switch had been flicked on the inside of him and healing and power and the presence of God was coursing through his veins. He was already awakened to a miracle. He didn't necessarily see her there. He knew where he was going, but she saw him. And as he moved through the crowd, she reached through the legs, through the limbs, through the dust, through the opposition, through every doubt in her mind. And she grasped the head of His garment. And as she grasped the hem of His garment, power surged through that piece of fabric, right through her body. Every cell was awakened. Every cell was healed. Her mind was healed. Her emotions were healed. Her body was healed. And the bleeding ceased in that moment in Jesus' mighty name. Greater is He that is in us than he that is in the world. All opposition aside, she reached Him amazing about her. There was no case of the mental gymnastics that day. She was like Abraham. She was not consumed by angst. She was not praying the 3000s. How? Why? If? What? Prayers that we get so busy and caught up praying. This was her singular prayer. If only I get a hold of him. That will be enough. If only I get a hold of Him. And let me tell you, if we get a hold of Him, it it solves all of humanity's issues. It solves every issue of the human heart. It disarms every angst, every fear, every burden. He is the singular answer for all of mankind. There is no issue that is real in your life that is too great for Him not my merciful Saviour, not my mighty Saviour, not my Jesus. There is nothing He can't do. Why don't you stand right across this room tonight?